This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Tomorrow is Independence Day in Ukraine. It is also the 24th of August, and therefore it marks six months since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. Much that is terrible has happened and continues to happen, and it's a pleasure now to welcome to the stand Dmitry Ilovsky. Dmitry worked for TV Rain, which was a relatively free and independent television service in Russia. Dmitry was deputy editor-in-chief. He has left Russia now and is in Lithuania, and it's a pleasure to talk to him. Dmitry, tomorrow marks six months, and it's, it's amazing how quickly that time has passed. I want to ask you about a statement made today by Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, who said that they wanted to take back the Crimea, which is the peninsula that Russia conquered and took in 2014. I thought it was quite a remarkable statement and very, very ambitious. Was he just saying it for effect before Independence Day, or is it a real and a realistic target? Well, um, hello there, and first of all, thank you very much for having me. And um, um, first of all, I would like to say that um, it seems like not a half year has passed, but like two or three years or five years. Yes. I don't know. The, the time goes really so slowly. And it seems I've been living like my second or third life for now. Yes. Um, concerning the statement of uh, Mr. Zelensky about Crimea, you know, I guess I'm, I'm almost sure that Ukrainians... Um, um, have always been treating Crimea as a part of their land. And yes. not much has changed uh, since the so-called uh, referendum, What this is what they call it in Russia, but uh, in fact, uh, it was um, occupation of the peninsula. And uh, um, the thing that we witnessed, like, through the last two weeks or ten days, um, Ukrainians are starting to attack Crimea. 
yes. with their drones, with their missiles, uh, with their like people on ground who are uh, doing some attacks. And um, I think uh, Zelensky has he just said uh, something um, that was already happening, and I guess uh, we will witness that more and more in the nearest future. I don't think this is something like just just a political statement. I think it's something that um, that depicts reality, that uh, reflects reality, actually. Now, Dmitry, on Saturday in Moscow, Daria Dugina, who was the daughter of Alexander Dugin, one of the Kremlin's staunch supporters and ideologues, a big supporter of Putin's, it was a car bomb. She was the victim. She was a very public figure in Moscow, I understand, and have seen pictures of her on television. There are various rumors about who was responsible. The Russians said the Ukraine was responsible. And some people in Russia say that the responsibility, in fact, was with a Russian group, the National Republican Army, who have claimed responsibility. They are an anti-Putin, an anti-Kremlin operation resisting what Putin is doing. How significant was that event, if it was significant at all? Uh, you know, I suppose we um, overestimate uh, the image of uh, Mr. Dugin and of his daughter. Um, yes, he was. A, he is a philosopher, indeed, and uh, his daughter was a journalist, a blogger, yes. and uh, she was following the ideas of her dad, actually. But uh, the thing is that. Um, I guess Mr. Dugin is pretty far away from Kremlin and from the decision makers, though he's definitely a huge fan of the war. And uh, he has uh, written lots of theories that uh, back the war, actually. Uh, but what I find interesting here is, uh, um, is the act itself of uh, bombing a car uh, of a person. And I don't think this is, uh, this is some action uh, that was uh, made against Putin himself or against the regime. I find that um, Dugin and um, we call them turbo patriots, turbo patriots. Yes, uh, super patriots. We call them super patriots. Yes. Yeah, precisely. Uh, they criticize actually government. And they criticize military commandment and uh, their generals and Putin himself because they always say, "Guys, you are not tough enough." Yes, you are not doing the war. We have to fight uh, Nazis like we did eight years ago in World War II. Yes, and uh, this is something like different that's going on now in Ukraine. This is what they call it in Russia, you know, uh, special mil military operation. Yes, they just they they weren't just smart enough to make some name for that military operation, like you know, uh, war in Gulf or uh, storm in the desert or yes. something. It's just special military operation. I mean, what, what the heck? Um, so basically, yeah, I think it's it's more against uh, critics of uh, Putin's regime who are pretty far right. Now you are in Lithuania, Dmitry, and we also understand that other colleagues of yours, former colleagues in TV Rain, have gone to Latvia and have started TV Rain again. 
Is that right? Yes, correct. And is it possible to transmit it from Latvia back into the Russian Federation? Uh, it is. You know, the funny thing is that uh, YouTube still works in Russia. Right. And um, uh, I've been speaking to an um, IT expert like uh, a couple of hours ago, and uh, we were discussing the situation with Telegram, with YouTube, with Facebook, Instagram, and with Great Russian Firewall that they haven't started yet. I don't know, for some reasons. Yes. Um, as you might know, they've already banned Instagram and Facebook. Yes. So we have to use uh, VPN to go on these networks. But they still use the YouTube. And uh, I was asking that IT expert, why? Why you? Why not ban YouTube? He said that um, people uh, from YouTube, they would m migrate to Telegram. Yes. And it's definitely very hard, extremely hard to uh, ban Telegram in Russia because they've tried to do it some years ago. And uh, basically, the uh, vast majority of uh, Russian segment of internet was down while, while they were trying to block um, Telegram. So uh, I think they know that if they ban YouTube, uh, they will have to like mm, terminate the um, big part of Russian segment of the internet. Now, what those of us in Europe who are watching and paying attention, as everybody in Europe is, of course, because of the effect it's having on Europe, there are two things that really fascinate us and about which we don't know enough. One is the mood of the Russian people, and the other is how badly the war has gone from Putin's point of view in terms of the number of casualties, deaths, and also maybe somewhere between 12 and 20 of his generals and people who are senior in the army have either died, disappeared, or resigned. So to take the second bit first, how badly is the war going in just as a, purely as a military operation for Russia? Um, you know, my mom came here to Lithuania like a week ago, and I've been asking her, what's the mood like in Russia? What, what's happening? How are people treating this military operation? And uh, she said, nothing's going on. Literally, yes. nothing's going on. This is so uh, embarrassing, so frustrating, and so bizarre to hear, to know. Uh, people just live their usual life. I mean, in Moscow. I'm from Moscow, and my mom is from Moscow. Yes. And I think this, the same situation is in big cities, uh, even in Euros, even in Siberia, even far east. People just keep on living their own life. And uh, they don't pay too much attention right. to the casualties that come from war, to soldiers who die there. And um, I think that we are, as a nation, like in some um, in some rush right now. We are running somewhere. We are. We don't have time to just stop and estimate like what's going yes. on right now, right around us. What what has happened? How did we? What did we do wrong to find ourselves here? So, unfortunately, yeah, nobody in Russia sees the war and actually witnesses it. Yes, and we have a, a contributor. He's a Russian. He is an economist. He lives in the United States, and he's a very good contributor, a good friend of mine. He used to live in Ireland, 
And he said, he, he told me that his mother uh, supports Putin. <laughs> but uh, oh, obviously, wow. well, yeah, but he, he, he was trying to sort of explain to me that, you know, even though he is had to leave, he believes in freedom, he's living in America, he's worked and lived in Ireland and Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His mother still likes Putin. But I suppose the other, the, the question that arises because of the West's attempts to impose sanctions, Dimitri, how that is affecting ordinary people. And does it appear not to be affecting them too badly at the moment? It's certainly affecting Europe, as I'm sure you know, with the, yeah. en- with the energy crisis and the fear of what winter might bring. But it doesn't appear to be affecting the Russian man and woman in the street. Uh, you know, economy is, uh, as far as I can get, I'm not an economist, and uh, not an economical expert, but still it's a um, pretty slow thing. And it takes time uh, to see all the results yes. and all the impact. Uh, at the moment, I guess it's not that serious. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I guess uh, uh, something will might happen to economy closer to the end of the year. But uh, you know, speaking about the Western sanctions, yes. Um, may I share with you my my recent thoughts about them? Yes. Uh, I think that uh, Putin, um, he is a beast, uh, which yes. was bred by by the West. Yes, uh, because for many for many years, uh, many European leaders, many companies have been trading with him. Yes, and of course. And they still keep on doing that. Uh, they pay for gas, for oil, for um, gold, for, for everything. And uh, this is the money that Putin uh, just takes and um, forwards it uh, to the war, to the military plans, uh, to the salaries of the soldiers and of the generals. And um, I mean, um, um, I think... It was like year uh, 2002 or three when Putin um, started to act not like a nice guy with the Western views uh, who knows German and who has like some pretty close ties with Western world. Yes. He started to act uh, like a thug from KGB. Yes. And this is the moment when we all should, um, should have recognized him. Yes. When we all should have. I've been treating him like uh, Gaddafi from yes. Siberia, like uh, yes. leader of Iran, which is covered by snow. Yes. So unfortunately, that didn't happen. And and it's true to say also that what is now the G7 became the G8 to allow Russia to be part of that group of G8 countries. And the the philosophy in the case of Russia and Putin, and also in the case of China, was that by trading with these countries, by mixing with them, that we would influence them to be more like we are in the West and less like the beast that you describe. Mm-hmm. The West mm-hmm. was naive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The West was uh, naive and. Uh, you know what? Putin is not fighting Ukraine now. He's not fighting Ukrainians. Yes. He's uh, fighting uh, modernity. And yes. he's fighting uh, uh, 
modern times. He's fighting contemporary times. Yes. Because this is uh, the war of the uh, world that was uh, that that he loved, that he lived in, like in the 90s or in the 80s. Yes. And now he and uh, his fellows, they just don't know how to live in the modern world. And uh, if you don't know something, you have to destroy it. You have to yes. like get get rid of it, like completely, totally. And this is the thing. He doesn't know. Uh, nobody actually around him uh, knows what to do next, uh, what to offer to people, because they offer only one thing: we should like mm, we should fight. Yes. And this is a war, and we should win. And uh, there is like Europeans with their fake liberal values. Yes. And <laughs> we oppose them. Yes. We should fight them. But what next? Nobody, nobody's saying about it. You know, this is a funny thing. He doesn't, uh, doesn't have an idea. He's on the record in the past, Dmitry, as saying, this is Putin himself, as saying that the greatest tragedy of his lifetime was the collapse of the Soviet Union, as it was. Um, may I correct you, if you don't mind? He no, said I the do. Biggest... I, I want you to correct me. Yes, he said uh, quite the same, but he said the biggest tragedy of the whole um, 20th century, not of his lifetime, yes. but of the 20th century. So he doesn't pay attention to World War II, which was horrific for Russia. He doesn't pay attention to World War One, which was also quite bad for Russia, but not that bad like for Europe, but it was a tragedy. He's saying about the collapse of Soviet Union, uh, which many people, for instance, like me, my friends, my relatives, we don't even think it was something bad. And, uh, no, I mean, th that was the process uh, that lasted for like 10 years or something. Yes. And uh, basically nobody died during it. Yes. We just lost the empire. So the empire had to collapse. This is it. This is how the world works. Every empire collapses. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you look at your country now, Dimitri, and when you consider, say, someone like Navalny, who has been a dissident, is in prison now for 11 years, I think somewhere far away from Moscow, maybe Siberia. Mm-hmm. When you look to your future, clearly Putin isn't going to live forever. Clearly he can't resign because he's stolen so much money and he'd be, he'd be in Siberia. When you look to your future now, as a nation, what is your best hope? Um, actually, this is a question that I ask myself many times a day. Yes. And um, unfortunately, I live in the life uh, where I cannot plan something um, uh, further than one month ahead. Yes, for instance. I understand that, yes. But I see Russians now as uh, um, something similar to Jews uh, because we've been expelled from our own country. Yes. We had to leave. And uh, we don't have that privilege to live in our world, to live in our country, to live yes. in our soil, to raise our kids in our traditions. So we are spread around the world right now. And nobody knows when we can, when we can be back. And uh, this is actually... Also, because I treat my country, my uh, my motherland, as a country that was um, that was taken uh, by uh, uh, military by army yes. chief. Yes, that was invaded. How old are you, Dimitri? Um, thirty-six. So you're a young man, and mm-hmm. your colleagues from TV Rain in Latvia, all of you. Can you work? You're in Lithuania now. Can you work there? Yes, yes. We are having quite different situations uh, between Lithuania and Latvia because uh, in Latvia it's uh, quite tough for Russians now to work. Um, there are some problems connected with the local government because they are soon going to have the elections and uh, some politicians are uh, quite angry and disappointed that their country has become like a home for number of russian refugees and yes. they don't know like every one of them so definitely they're afraid of some like kgb agents and spies who might get into the country this one is is a bit uh, different from that and uh, yes i well this is a beautiful country in some ways it's uh, uh, it's quite similar to ireland yes uh, it's it's uh, very green it's very beautiful it has sea 
Um, it has very nice people who like fun, who yes. like to drink beer, and <laughs> who, who, who like good good poems and good music. Yes. Uh, and I'm grateful to Lithuania and to Europe itself because I still have an opportunity to do to do my job here, to leave my my wife here, and um, still, you know, the funny thing is, it's. Uh, uh, it's a bit similar to, to to Russia, maybe because it was a part of Russian Empire and Soviet Union. But um, you know, it's like Russia without um, without KGB, without Putin, or without like that thugs. Yeah. So with, with freedom, a, with the freedom to express yourself, with the freedom of speech. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. The future now for you, Dmitry, and people of your generation. Is Europe and the possibility of living and working in Europe and being in exile, which is something Irish people know a lot about, many, many yeah. millions of Irish people yeah. have yeah. had to leave to go to the United States, to go Definitely, to Britain, yeah. throughout mm -hmm. our history. It was mm -hmm. a sadness, but it was also at the same time a liberation mm -hmm. from the church or a very mm -hmm. narrow-minded state. I suppose that's something mm -hmm. like what you feel now, that it is sad. I've never, yeah, I've never been thinking about it um, from this angle, and thank you very much for this thought. I've never thought about um, the process uh, of liberation um, here. Um, maybe, maybe you know, not, uh, not enough time has passed from, from the moment yes. I've left uh, Moscow. It's been like half a year, almost, almost half a year. Uh, maybe so, but uh, you know, it's pretty tough for me, for my friends. Uh, lots of my friends had to leave. I mean, I have like hundreds of friends, hundreds of pals, and uh, yes, I think there are like three or four of them who still live in Moscow. Um, not because they support Putin, but because they like um, uh, parents or uh, yes, or relatives, or yes. not enough money to go somewhere, but they are still planning and they are still willing to go. Uh, maybe that would be a very good um, exit from our period of dullness and sadness. So yeah, I gotta think about it actually. <laughs> what about your view now of the conflict of this mm -hmm. war and yeah. where it's going? It's not easy for us to to measure it, to gauge it, but it seems to us that Ukraine is, it hasn't been overwhelmed, it hasn't been destroyed, it hasn't been as easy for Putin as he thought it might mm -hmm. be. He'd go into Kiev, he'd get a puppet government, they'd get rid of Zelensky and everything would be fine. That hasn't mm -hmm. happened. On the battlefield, Ukraine have had their successes and it looks now that as if they're going on the offensive again in Crimea, for example. But, I mean, the terrible tragedies of Mariupol, for example, mm -hmm. or Kherson, these are terrible tragedies for the Ukrainian people. What's your view? Will it be a long war? And what do you think Ukraine might settle for? Uh, well, Ukraine will definitely um, settle only when all the... Um, a territory of, of of their country will be free from Russia, including Crimea. Yeah. Uh, I think we will witness quite soon, maybe not, maybe in the beginning of uh, 
um, of uh, winter, um, some sort of a tactical pause, uh, which will give Putin a, a, a chance to uh, claim victory. Yes. Because they have already occupied um, quite quite big um, territories. And uh, then he will take a, a pause and uh, he'll start the war again. I don't know when, I don't know how soon. Yes, and uh, only only supplies of uh, European arms, only high marses, uh, can change the war because we see them working every day, and it's extremely efficient, extremely efficient. So uh, I I I really would like you know it's kind of strange to uh, to say these words against like your people, the, the army that consists of. Um, your neighbors, yes, of your people, but I, I really want that um, Europe will continue to supply the arms um, and the rockets that Ukraine needs these days to overtake Putin's army. Yes, just a, a final question, Dmitry, about your present home in Lithuania and your view of the West's support for Ukraine. It is absolutely vital, isn't it? that the West, and I'm, by that I mean the United States, of course, but also the European Union and the United Kingdom, it's absolutely vital that the West supports Ukraine and doesn't give in because they haven't got energy, they, the mm-hmm. economies are failing. The war is hurting the West, as I'm sure you know, very yeah. badly economically. But this is a big test of solidarity for the West, is it not? It is. It's a huge test for Western democracies because um, these days uh, they have a chance to show that um, this is the only uh, possible way of uh, ruling a country, of civilization. Yes. And uh, I think the winter will be tough. The yes. winter will be hard and it will be cold and yes. the winter is coming. Uh, but I think that uh, after this winter, things might change drastically. Um, if if you guys keep on supplying the arms, uh, if the sanctions will work yes. on, and I have um, no doubt that the uh, Ukrainians um, are still still have enough courage to keep on fighting for their land. Okay, Dmitry, we're very grateful to you, and very we admire very much what you have done. Uh, and Thank you. what your colleagues have done. Thank you so much. And you'll be very welcome if you want to come to Ireland. We need journalists. We need brave okay. journalists. <laughs> but even, even if you uh, don't want to be a journalist, we hope there is a time when you can come and visit us in Ireland. And we're very grateful to you for talking to us from Lithuania tonight. And we wish you well. Hope you take care of yourself. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I've been to Ireland once. I've been, I don't remember whether I've told you or not. I've been studying in Manus. I've been oh, doing my really? English oh, courses. Yeah, yeah, near yeah Dublin. it's very good. It's a very good place. Uh, yeah. And, oh, good. Well, you must come back. And uh, I would love to. Thank you for the invitation. Have you, ever, have you ever had a pint of Guinness? Oh, I'd love to have a pint of Guinness straight away, right, right now. I had such a bad day. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Dimitri, thank you very much indeed okay. for joining us. Be safe. Now, we're very grateful to Dimitri, to all of you for listening. 
That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.